Hello, and welcome to Alive or Just Blethering, a podcast where two 30-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Chris Lavender, and with me is my fellow host, Keith McLeod. Today on Alive or Just Blethering, I'll be taking us through Satellite by P.O.D. Man, you sounded really uh, deep and sexy there. How's that voice going for you? I'm not kidding. Having the plague, thanks to my youngest child starting nursery, has been an effort, especially given the current situation we're all living through. Having a cough is like being rejected from society. (laughs) Oh man, I have nearly vomited in public places just to stifle a cough. Like, it's horrific. But yeah, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? And how are our listeners? How is everyone? Nice for you to join us here in the live or just blathering. We're going to talk about satellite, aren't we? We are. Yeah, thanks for coming back, everyone. It's been quite nice to see those sweet, sweet analytics coming through. Um, so, yeah, uh, today I picked satellite um, with some hesitation, I'll be honest. This one was a, a strange one. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised by it as well to be honest i mean we we all know pod everyone knows alive and that video and the car crash and the slow motion and blah 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 and i don't dislike pod but i don't think i ever went as far as to listen to any of their albums so um what what sort of made you what how, how was this an album that you found and loved growing up yeah this one came about thank probably no doubt through alive that, um, you know, that music video featuring Ezra Miller shot by Zack Snyder. It was a... Uh, a, fantastic, <laughs> a, a it wasn't fan- actually Ezra Miller, was it? it? I imagine it could be, though. Imagine, like, today they remade that video and they just basically took that <laughs> scene from uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. That would be fantastic. This is how I'm getting old and see now, because just for a second, I bet there, for a second that could have been a real thing, but Ezra Miller was probably a five-year-old when that video was made. I'd, get, I'd say he was probably a fucking embryo, never mind a five-year-old. Probably. It's 20 probably. years ago, man. 20 years. So yeah, uh, this one, it just fit the mould. It was one of those albums that just was there. Um, they were obviously really popular on your, your MTV2s and Garang TVs. So mm-hmm. they were one that I naturally kind of gravitated towards. Um listening to it the last this last week has been um quite interesting because i was i was very hesitant when i when i put my name to that and i thought you know what i'm going to have to actually go and listen to this uh and i was pleasantly surprised as probably my tldr if you want to tune out thank you for listening uh it was it's it's yeah, a very cheers. good <laughs> it still holds up um so anyway uh Bit of bit of research on POD as I never really took that much interest in them as as people at, at the time. Yeah, no, I I don't claim to particularly understand or know much about POD. Didn't really follow them a lot after I didn't follow them at all. Excuse Still. me. In 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 all honesty, um, I knew they ended up on a Matrix soundtrack at some point after this, and that's pretty much where I lost them. So, um, yeah, you're not you're not wrong there. They, so they're a four piece from San Diego, California. Uh, Calabasas. 
they're made up of four individuals. Two of them are related. So you've got Sonny Sandoval on vocals, Wov Bernardo on drums. Uh, those two are cousins. Oh. Tra Daniels on bass and Marcos Curiel on guitar, lead guitar. Right. Uh, certain rhythm guitar parts are also done by Wov, the drummer. So during recording, he he has a credit for rhythm guitar. Oh, that's cool. And that's interesting because I'm I'm looking at the Wikipedia article. No, I'm not. What am I looking at? The youth of a need. No, I'm not. I'm looking at the satellite. Oh, it is a POD. Fucking hell, Keith. The uh, I've got satellite, POD, and Youth of a Nation open on tabs, and uh, I just went through all of them and I was wrong. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the POD Wikipedia, and three of them are hitting are sitting with guitars uh, next to Sonny. So that's that's interesting that the uh, drummer is also uh, a guitarist. Cool beans. So it, they started off. It was Wov and the guitarist, or the lead guitarist, Marcos. Uh, they were jamming together, and they would play Slayer and Metallica covers at house parties. Uh, they had a, a little band name, the Eschachos. Eschachos. Um, but uh, really sadly, after the death of Sonny's mother, he converted to Christianity, and the the cousin, Wov, asked him to join the band to try and keep his mind off things and, and just keep him sort of busy. Um Shortly after they picked the name Pable on Death, which is what POD stands for. That is what it stands for, right? Because my partner asked me earlier, she was like, what the, POD, what kind of band name is that? And I'm like, I think it means p- pass on death or pay on death or something like that. So it's payable on death. Yeah. Yeah, P- POD sounds better. And I've alluded there, there is the, the Christianity. This is going to be a thread that weaves itself throughout this episode. It's probably why I didn't stick with them, in all honesty. But I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah, maybe we'll um, we'll come to it. Uh, they so this was actually their fourth release. Shit off. Yeah, they initially had two studio albums on a label called Rescue Records. Uh, this mm-hmm. was a label that was managed by Wolf's dad and Sonny's uncle Noah Bernardo right. Senior. Um. Had a quick look at Rescue Records and what they're up to today. Basically, they sign Christian metal acts, for want of a better phrase. Well, there's a market there for it, so good on them. And uh, shortly after, in 1998, they were signed to Atlantic. So Atlantic released a major album with them, The Fundamental Elements of Southtown. That came out in August 99. That hit 51 in the US Billboard charts. Do we know where Southtown is? What that's referencing? From what I can tell from listening to interviews, it's referencing a district within San Diego that they grew up in. Right, probably. And my knowledge of American cities is basically Grand Theft Auto games. So, oh, so you mean like Edinburgh? <laughs> Edinburgh, the bridges. Yeah, totally. Las Vegas, yeah, all, all those Las Venturas and stuff. I I can only imagine from the areas that they're living in. These are um, heavily Hispanic sort of neighborhoods. Yeah, there seems to be um, some Hispanic. There is Hispanic vibes on the album, so that's, definitely uh, that, that that's pretty obvious. Yeah, and I quite like it when they bring them when that culture comes into things um, like metal albums so you've got that there's a song on the album if anyone hasn't listened 
uh, guitarist anymore. You know, I love guitars. <laughs> oh man, when when that played, and I just obviously it's a little interlude. It's a nice little bit. It's it's some Spanish guitars. It's cool. But when I read the name, and it was like guitarist de amor, I was like, <laughs> oh my god, that's what is guitarist de amor? Like obviously guitarist of love or guitar the guitar I love or something. But like it made me think it was maybe like ascent guitarist de amor <laughs> and it's like i don't know i'm getting i'm getting flavors of maybe damp leather some rolling tobacco i don't know maybe some jack daniels like oh that's that's like a guitarist de amor a touch like, of warm maple just yeah. sitting through <laughs> some 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 sabawood why why not let's, let's get that in there uh, uh, that, yeah. i had a little chuckle to myself listening to that guitarist yeah. de amor i'll stop that now <laughs> thank you <laughs> So yeah, so by the time Satellite came out, they already had a platinum selling album that I couldn't name a single song from. <laughs> Was that the um, downtown from Party Sound? What? The fundamental elements of Southtown, and it thank do- you, thank you very much. Does have a song on it that's called like "We're Gonna Party." It's got a literal party song on it. Sick. From what I listened to, I, I had a a skim through it. Um, in the run up to this, and it's very much, uh, it's more of a not. It's not a hip hop album, but it's more of a focus on the rap lyrics than than the, the sort of harder lyrics that Satellite maybe brings to the front. The album artwork is very MC Escher. Very much so. Very much. You know, you, you've kind of got that weird perspective and things broken apart and it's like a sort of play on perspectives and stuff like that that's cool yeah well the album we're here to talk about though is satellite Satellite. i'll never do that again i apologize for anyone listening to who just heard that <laughs> fuck just, me just broke some speakers there so the album was recorded at bay 7 studios in california between march and may of 2001 you mean it wasn't NR- nrg it, it was not a- it was not. I was hope. I really hoped it was. I oh, really went, when I was doing the research. I was like, "Please be NRG." It wasn't. Um, Aren't these guys on? Wait till you see the fucking names associated with Bay Seven Studios. Okay, hit me. I'm gonna name Huberstank the reason. Yes, fucking Huberstank. Three cheers for sweet revenge. Oh my word! All right then, pulling on some heartstrings there. Babylon by Skindred. Oh, okay, I have mixed feelings about that. Hours by Funeral for a Friend. Oh, it's the boys. The boys are in. We're going to cover that one coming up. There's some less notable albums in as well. And these are funny. Cool. All right, so, let's go for it. The next two albums I'm going to name were second albums. Sophomore efforts, shall we say, from the next two bands. The first one, Crazy Town. Oh, the band Crazy Town. The band Crazy Town. They recorded their second album, Dark Horse. Um, <laughs> another one. Do you remember Edema? Edema? Yeah, I remember Edema. Yeah. So they recorded their second album, Unstable, at Bay 7 Studios as well. Do we do a branch off podcast where we do terrible new metal from, from when we grew up and it's bands like Edema? Absolutely, we have to do that. <laughs> I'm sorry to anyone listening who enjoyed Edema. 
I can remember one song and it was fucking woeful. I'm thinking of another band as well. Oh, it wasn't Edema. It was... It will come to me tonight and I'll just shout it out in the middle of my sleep and I'll never know what it was. But I just remember they couldn't go on tour because their bass player was underage. Wow. His parents, his parents wouldn't let him leave. At least that was what I remember. I might be misremembering this from years okay. ago, a band I didn't give a fuck around. Oh, that's going to come back. Aiden! It was Aiden! Oh, wow, Aiden. Yeah. Remember Aiden? I do remember. I saw Aiden live, yeah. On purpose? They were on the Kerrang! 25 tour with Hawthorne Heights, Bullet for My Valentine, and who else was on that show? That was a good show. That's Kerrang! as fuck already. I'm loving it. Good times. Totally. They were fucking awful, by the way. Sorry to any Aiden fans out there. They are one of the worst bands I've ever seen perform live, and I had no idea how they got as successful as they did. So if you like them, good for you, but they were terrible. They got successful? When did Aiden get successful? When did I miss that? Well, they're an American band playing not in America, so that to me is a level of success. But they were Aiden, so I would take that with a pinch of salt. <laughs> they did something. I don't know how they did it, but they did something. Do you know what? Uh, they, did more than, they did more than us. That's the theme of this podcast. Everyone we will ever... Re- not review. We're not reviewers. Anyone we will ever go over and discuss that we listened to when we were younger did way more than we ever did. So bloody kudos. Yeah. A bloody, a bloody big old kudos to them. Well done. Two thirty-somethings are talking about you twenty years later. You've left something, the mark. Right? They did You've something left the right. Mark. <laughs> Aiden and Edema. Well done. So where were we? Pod. Pod. So um, the album was produced by a gentleman named Howard Benson, and basically he was the in-house producer of Bay Seven Studios. So all of the things that I've mentioned so far, he was also the producer for. He produced albums like. The Reason, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. A few others out there. He's he's worked with some pretty big names. Uh, he started in the 80s uh, in the sort of uh, North California hardcore scene, TSOL. He then moved on to bands like Motorhead, Body Count, and Sepultura. And then, effectively, he's gone through many new metal, pop punk, and then moving on to the Emo Act in 2000 including he did the second Papa Roach album, Getting Away With Murder. Was that the second right. one? No. Te- te- technically, Infest was the second, of their second release, but Getting Away With the Murder was their second um, DreamWorks Pictures release. There we go. So they also did, he also did like the next, the next Papa Roach album. There we go. I'll fill that one in. And if anyone wants to learn about the previous one, Infest, Go check out um, AOGB episode number two. Oh my god, a callback. Yeah, man. Plugging ourselves. We just did a callback. That's impressive. Yeah. As we pat ourselves on the back. (laughs) There we go. Well done. Uh, He he continues to work to today. He's producing uh, work for bands like In Flames, Apocalyptica. And he did, like, the Of Mice and Men and Escape the Fate albums in 2018. So he's still relevant and still a very busy and successful man. Um, The album was released on, drumroll, September the 11th, 2001. I think that date was incredibly important to this album. And I'll come to it in a in a moment 
Uh, effectively, okay. it got to number six on the US Billboard. It spent five weeks in the top ten. It became the 26th best-selling album in 2002 in the US. And as of 2015, this album has sold three million copies in the US and seven million worldwide. All right, so it's punched. It's, 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 it's carried itself. It's done really well. And the reviews at the time were, were generally positive. Four, four, and a half, four, four out of five stars in Rolling Stone. All music. Uh, Revolver magazine called it one of the ten new metal albums you need to own. So yeah, it was it was well received as is probably the best way to put that and sum that up. The reason I'm saying that I think the date of its release was important. Um, if anyone has listened to this album, the album has an overwhelming like positive tone. Um. Yes. To a to to an extent, um, there's, a, there's a couple you of look songs at, on and on there. I wouldn't exactly say were positive, but yeah, go for it. Uh, yeah, there's there's one big famous one, but you look at a song like Alive, a song like Alive, after your nation has just been attacked and two thousand people, over two thousand people died in a single day. Three thousand. Yeah, thank you. They don't want to. I don't want to overegg the pudding on them, but yeah, they they really really. That a song like Alive was very much what was needed in the country at that time. Youth of the Nation, probably my favourite song on the album by a a long shot. That one, maybe not so positive, but certainly uh, a very important message conveyed within it. Mm -hmm. Boom, that got released. Perhaps not particularly intuitive to um, September the 11th, but sure. Possibly not, but that song had its own movie starring Kevin James. Was he running around a shopping centre? Or was was he running around Queens? (laughs) No, I have no idea what the movie is, but it's uh, there is a movie called Here Comes the Boom, uh, released in 2012, produced by Adam Sandler's uh, people. It was uh, released in 2012, so it wasn't even... Sorry, when you said this film, this song has a film, I thought they've released it with a film, but... No, 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 they named the film after this song. Impressive. And that's, that's again, something that's like, wow, that left an impression with someone. Is it on Netflix? I don't think so. Oh. Um, it, it it wasn't a box office flop. It, Unlike it's... most of Kevin James' films, okay. Correct, it managed to sell more than it cost to make, uh... Yeah, well done to him. The soundtrack, I might actually have to dig the soundtrack out and okay. give it a listen because it's got bands like Godsmack, The Refused, Wolfmother. <laughs> Wolfmother. Every, don't get me wrong, I th- I, Wolfmother must have came out, what, 2005, 2006, around that time? And I think I was still going to team the park around that time. So I got caught up a little bit in Wolfmother, but then I saw a video and it was um, Mike Patton. Oh, right. And I, th- I think he was playing a festival. I want to say it was a festival in Italy. I don't want to. I don't want to think I'm confusing Mike Patton's relationship with Italy and this festival. I, I know. I think his wife's Italian. He's done a lot of work with the Italian language and music and stuff like that. But um, no, I, I think this this festival was in Italy, and uh, he was, he's, he's on the interview. He's on this festival. In, in Italy, and he's being interviewed, and it's, there's a video of this. I, I can try and find it. 
you know, Wolf Mother are just like sort of bellowing in the background, and he just he just looks away and stops, and he was like, "What year is it?" And like the interviewer is just like, "Uh, what? Like, what? Who the fuck are on the stage? What year is it? Is that a Zeppelin ripoff? What? What fucking year is?" It? Like he was infuriated that like Wolf Mother were just. A complete and utter clone, a terrible pop clone of uh, of Zeppelin or whatever, and he was just like, and since then, whenever anyone says Wolf Mother, I'm just like, what year is it? <laughs> great, Thanks for bringing me into that one. Oh, yeah, I'll, se- I'll send you the link. Might even um, tweet it. Oh yeah, tweet tweet the link out to our followers. Yeah. Four tracks got released of the album: Alive, Youth of the Nation, Boom, and Satellite, which you alluded to earlier. Satellite. Thank you uh, they all did relatively well in the charts. Uh, UK singles, Alive and Youth of the Nation. Alive got to number 19. Youth of the Nation got to number 36. Got to number 35 in Scotland. Fuck yeah, those Scottish charts, baby. Woo! Don't know where they come from. Seriously, if there, if anyone has any information about how Scottish charts worked in 2001, I'd love to know more. Please, 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 please let us. me know. Please, please reach out. Those DMs are slidey. Get on in there. So, uh, Boom and uh, Satellite, they never charted in the UK as far as I can tell. So, don't know if... They, they weren't US only, but I'm pretty sure they were limited releases. Boom Stands is one of my favourite songs. I think it's great. Yeah, it's a nice song. It's a good one. It's good fun. It's a it's, fun song. You're saying like it's, an, it's, a, it's a positive album, and I'm just like, yeah, Boom is just like, fuck yeah, how can you not like react to that? Bounces just, anything. Just, yeah, it's great. Um... I think that I mean Youth of the Nation. We have to we have to talk about Youth of the Nation. Do we want to talk about Youth of the Nation now? I think we need to get it. We need to we need to cross this one off because this is important. This is a a big song. So firstly, it it also comes to the actual making of the album. Um, they were writing the album and recording it between March and May. Uh, during recording in March, they were delayed in getting to the studio because of a live shooter incident right in their area of the the base 7 studios and it was after basically witnessing it and learning about it they wrote the song youth of the nation so if anyone hasn't uh, listened to the song before or really delved into it it's a story about three different individuals in society that society has let down effectively um one of them being a a young girl who turns who is abused and turns to uh, by the sense of things some sort of prostitution or something like that or drug abuse um there's one which is a school shooter that one absolutely it's you know instead of taking the test they took two to the chest that I've I've heard that song over the years, and whether I just forgot the line or or whether I just realised it for the first time the other day listening to it, like it hit, like it was uh, yeah. W- what is the line specifically? But who know? But who knew that day wasn't like the rest? Instead of taking the test, I took two to the chest, and I just I just heard the line. I took two to the chest, and I was just like, fucking hell, like. It's it's a great song. It's very powerful, and 
uh, that that line like really really hit me. But you were you're saying is there a third story? The third one is is about someone taking their own life by firearm, effectively. Um, uh, the sound of the gat. So yeah, it's it's a really deep song. It is written in real. It's it is it's fictitious in its characters, but the the situations are very real. Um, they are very much still happening. Um, it's probably the most depressing thing about that song is when you listen to it like, oh, they were singing about active shooter incidents 20 years ago and we, we see them, uh, you know, one a month still. Like, Yeah, I mean, we are obviously born and raised in the UK. You're currently living in Scotland. I'm currently living in England. Like, we we got rid of we didn't get rid of gun crime. We still obviously have gun crime, but after an incident in Scotland in 1997, Dunblane, like Scotland, the UK got away with guns just straight away, just just one school shooting and it was done and, and guns were, were essentially banned in the UK. So we don't particularly know what this is like, but it is, as a foreigner, and we apparently we have listeners in the US, so, you know, by all means tell us to fuck off. But like, as a foreigner, listening to like the stuff that comes out of school shootings, like, it blows my mind there is like such a thing as gun lobbyists and they or there's not even not even that the lobbyists exist that like people maintain that they they have the right to bear arms it's it's in the constitution um i don't want to say that it was it was written at a time when it was necessary to defend yourself against armed militia you know to form an armed militia but there there need there needs to be a conversation to be had of how necessary is that in 2021 and going forward things have changed quite significantly and there are a lot of mental health issues out there that need to be addressed um and access is is key so yeah the the fact that a lot of the things i'm singing about in in this song euthanation 20 years ago was written about an event in march 2001 and still i don't think anything's changed the uh, this there is one part of the song I think that if it was written today would be written differently, and it's oh, yeah. it's little Susie. Okay. And when I really yeah. sort of because I've 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 never maybe properly sat down and listened to POD, you know, I've never had them in my headphones, and I've never been like, right, what have you guys got? So maybe this went over my head in in previous years if it was on in the background or if it was on on TV or whatever. But you've got um, little Susie. She was only 12. What the fuck? She was only 12. Where is this story going? She was only 12. She was given the world with every chance to excel. Hang with the boys and hear the stories they tell. Hear the Tories they tell. Hear the stories they tell. She may act kind of proud, but with no respect for herself. She finds love in all the wrong places. The same situation, just different faces. uh, Changed up changed up her pace since her daddy left her too bad no one never told her she deserved much better so you alluded to it earlier there's a story about a girl and it sounds as if she is abused or the actual sort of line is hang with the boys and hear the stories they tell she may act kind of proud with no respect for herself she's still only 12 but i think the difference in the story today would be Little Susie is not responsible for the abuse that she has potentially received out of this. Like, it's the abusers that are at fault. Whether she has respect for herself or not, 
is is her issues but the abuse out of that is the fault of the abusers like she's yeah. she's not to blame anymore so like she's the victim she's the victim thank you that's the word i was looking for she is 100 percent the victim and it's not I think that kind of passage almost victim blames. She never had any any um, respect for herself. Well, fuck. Whether she did or didn't, she's still victim of abuse, and that's not her fault. So yeah, it's, uh, she had every chance to excel. Makes it sound like she threw away those chances. Exactly. But really, they were taken away from her. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So yeah. when I sort of really dug into those lines like that, that sort of didn't sit well with me. But I kind of get the story and, you know, I can take that it was written 20 years ago. And I'm sure if the guys wrote the song today, it probably would be different. But, um, yeah, still an incredibly powerful song and probably one of the best on it. One of, is one of the best, maybe the best on the album, I'd say. Yeah, but certainly, certainly on the album. Um, other, you know, all the other singles, they do hold up well. Alive, Boom, as we've alluded to, and Satellite, um... They're really well written, well executed, and produced songs. Um, they, they simply, I, th- I think, having a well recorded s- song, as much as it can be kind of scoffed upon in certain circles, where oh, you only like it because it sounds good, like or it's only because it was recorded well. It's like yeah, but it makes a song sound timeless. Like if you pick up a song that is poorly recorded, yeah, it's gonna suck. <laughs> when you try to listen to it 20 years later. Like you said in episode two of our live just blethering uh, about um, Papa Roach Infest. Um, yeah, you thought that that album sounded like it was written 20... It was recorded 20 years ago. And so that absolutely impacted your enjoyment of that record. Yeah, I get your point. Interestingly, he uh, the, the producer of uh, Satellite, uh, Mr. Howard Benson, he is a big proponent of autotune. He thinks producers that don't use it are being stupid they've got a tool that is there to make their artists sound better and used properly auto-tune has its place Hmm. i think we've we've been sort of put into a position where we think that auto-tune is this fakery um this really synthetic voice especially when it was used to the effect of of share in and believe and, yeah, and you've but, got like T T Pain, who who basically requires it to to exist in his in his sound. That's literally what I was about to say. Then I heard T Pain and Holy Island. I'm on a boat, and my mind was changed. I was like, Nah, nah. This is just like another instrument. It's fine by me. It's fine by me. Exactly. It's, it is. It is. It, it's an effect that producers use either either well or use poorly, and there is a balance to be had in in anything. There is there is such. A thing is too much, you know, too much of a good thing, and that is one of those things that I, th- I think, um, I think autotune does have a place. It's just not in 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 your face. Yeah, I kind of jest. Like, I mean, T Pain, Lonely Island, I'm on a boat. Whatever other songs you sort of heard there. At the end of the day, singing, like playing the guitar or the drums or the piano or the bagpipes or going fucking tits out with drummer insert drummer speak here on a triangle you know is a skill it's a talent if you just paint over that with a computer and autotune well then are you really said skilled or talented or or whatever so like if it's used to an effect i.e like t-pain 
And I don't fucking know T-Pain's music. I think I've heard him around. He's featured on songs like I get. The Lonely Island I'm on a Boat is fucking fantastic. But like, you know, I, th I think that's... He's made it work for him and then that is his effect. But if you're using autotune to like boost what is essentially an incompetent singer yeah that's when 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 it's when you carry when it when you're needing it to carry the singer that's that's a different yeah, like story if I'm shit at it's usually it's usually used to great effect on someone who can already sing yeah but who maybe just needs that just like when you when you're recording guitars or you're recording a bass or you're recording drums in a studio you get takes you get as many takes as you need and sometimes there might be that vocal take that was 99.999% there. You just didn't quite crack a note at one one specific bit. Just auto-tuning it can just bring it in line. And even then, the guitarist could have been out of fucking tune. He could have had a string that was bummed out by by the lightest bit. And it, But it makes... But it's it, you could play an album completely out of tune as long as all the instruments are tuned together. Mm -hmm. It's all relative. Yeah, sure. So auto-tune auto just brings the vocalist in line with the other it, instruments. It's another point that like you could you could be that guitarist, you could have just that just that micro manoeuvre, or manoeuvre's not the fucking right word, you know, you, that, that, that the slightest tone or pitch out, and then the producer could just up it on the computer. Yeah. Ping. Yeah, that's, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna Duh. move that little line on that grid and I'm just gonna up that into the right and there you go, bloody that was that solo mate, that was that bend. Well done, fucking nailed it. You know. Yeah. Um this album for me I've I mentioned earlier that Sonny Sundeval was a uh, a Christian POD were were sort of marketed as a christian new metal that's band. what i understood that these guys were saviors maybe that's a bit that's got um, connotations to it but yeah they were a christian new metal band from listening to interviews with with sonny the vocalist he he expressed that he never went out of his way to make them a christian band he just made music that was what he wanted mm -hmm. to make and i mean the man is is a christian so it's very likely that his life experiences that then go into his songwriting it's bound to to bleed well, especially over. if he was born again and sort of brought into the band to deal with the, the loss of his mother then 100 percent. yeah so the the fact is this was one of the first bands that i remember listening to who were openly christian and when you were also listening to bands at the time sort of if i'll just throw some like slayer pantera metallica uh bands who are you know against they always feel like they're against god against Hail faith Satan. interestingly saying that with saying slayer um you know given that uh tom aria is a devout catholic but he's not open about who he is now but at the time i don't think he would have been and it's interesting that this was one of the first bands that i remember sort of being open about their faith and it's apparently they take a bit of credit for there being a sort of boon in christian metal bands coming to the forefront so bands like under oath haste the day as i lay dying 
they all had that openly Christian member. And now, Azalea dying, that's a story for another episode. Oh, boy, is it. Oh, boy, is it. Tim, I'm sorry if you're listening. You're not. We're going to have to talk about it. You're not, but sorry if you were, but you're not. But you're not, anyway. Apparently, though, Sonny thinks that they've got some sort of credit to that because they were the one of the first big metal acts to sort of break it with the Christian thing on their sleeve type mm-hmm. thing. And they sort of normalized it in a sense. Um, at the time, bit of a bit of a life story here from me. Uh, at the time, I would have been, what, 15, going on 16. And I went through a phase of discovering faith. Wow, okay. And it was one of these you know listening to this album it's one of the reasons it's kind of come up is because at the time i probably would have called myself a christian and i was attending certain events and uh worship sort of things which which got me involved in a really good crowd it got me in a good place got me to meet some of the best people i could have met at that time that i needed to meet at that time it wasn't until coming to university about three years later that things changed and different perspectives, different strokes took me in a different direction. But at the time in 2001, this was exactly what I needed to hear. I was listening to hard, hard music. I was listening to the likes of, you know, we've had Lincoln Park and Papa Roach already mentioned, uh, probably by this point, picking up on the Metallica discographies and, slayer and going through the motions of listening to them and having a band that i could listen to openly with the the friends that i'd made within the church that i was part of was kind of important yeah okay did wow um i did not know about that you bud um... yeah i thought and it's something that that it happened before i came to edinburgh yeah, and I, it's something that stayed at home when I left home. Did did anything sort of steer you in that direction? If you're willing to talk about that on this music podcast, or was it... <laughs> not, uh, nothing really in particular. At the time, I was a, a member of the Air Cadets, and oh, okay. uh, they were looking for. Uh, I think there was a local pastor uh, who was just kind of looking for for members to to sort of join the church be like a representative between the church and the and the air cadets and i put my name forward for it and just got involved in the church and you you see what good a church does for a community and seeing how there are people out there that just depend on their faith and Mm. it's 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 interesting to sort of see that world and and what it means to to other people um i made some really good friends throughout it um interesting story the 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 guy who was sort of running it uh he was sort of doing his like training he was a trainee so one of his training parts was trying to incorporate the youth into this old-fashioned church for Mm. one of a better phrase and he only he was only in our area for maybe a year two years i believe and then once he'd done that sort of trainee section he was given his own parish the parish he ended up going to was down south mm-hmm. so that was the last i saw of him until i went into work would have been 
12 years later. Wow. And he was sitting in the call center I was working as. Really? In And I was I was in his team. No way. Surreal. So he didn't quite make it to the end of the training or whatever. Worked, worked his Th- way out. Things changed in his life, significantly yeah, sure. so. Sure. Uh, he's now back involved in the church, as far as I know. Uh, not not spoken to him in a long time, but it's it's it was a part of my life that I'm not going to shy away from. But an album like Satellite was really important to have the knowledge that it, it's okay to be Christian and listen to this type of music. Right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Incredible. Really, that it had that much of a incorporation in your life at the time of what you were doing where sort of where you were going and uh not just on a musical journey but on a faith journey and that you were able to actually um pull those two together and and combine them and and pod was that thing for you i had no idea that, that that the album actually had that sort of significance and wow cool yeah it, it, every every album is going to mean different things to different people, but that is sure. that is the reason I chose Satellite. It might seem like a bit of a left field choice if you were listening forty minutes ago, but that's there we go. F- fuck me, man, and I and I picked Limp Biscuit last week. <laughs> <laughs> I picked Limp Biscuit because I liked the hat. Fucking hell! Um, <laughs> like I like the hat. <laughs> Side note: uh, I was also in the cadets uh, air cadets for six weeks. Six weeks. I lasted six weeks because um, myself and two friends went. Uh, so three of us in total, we were really interested in it. I sort of, as a kid, always wanted to be a pilot. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Like, um, and Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't, right? Let's, let's like, as a kid, being a pilot is, is up there with being an astronaut. And yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, cool as fuck. It, yeah, and it's, it's even, you know... You see, like one thirty-second clip of Top Gun, and you're just like, "Fuck yeah, I want to be a fighter pilot." And stuff like that. <laughs> That's it. And, um, best recruitment, up... best recruitment video the uh, the Air Force ever made was Top Gun. Oh, absolutely! And they're about to make a sequel. And um, on the basically on like our first day or second first first or second week, the uh, the CEO of that cadets went on maternity leave. But right. the uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. The CEO, commanding officer, is the only person that can swear in new cadets. It has to be like an Air Force member. Can't just be like another high-ranking cadet. It has to be an Air Force member to swear them in. Am I We had that? three. We had a commanding officer, obviously. He was like the, I think it was flight sergeant, was like the highest sort of member that they had. And they had a, I can't remember the names of them. They get drilled into you as well. I'm I'm disappointed in myself for not remembering all the, the levels because you get a rhyme in it. I'm not going to hold you to it. But the we had like three. So and I'm sure they always just were like, well, if he's not in, he can do it, and if he's not in, they can do it. Unless yours, unless your uh, sort of detachment had just one. Is well, from what I can remember, and of course we are talking years ago. We are talking twenty odd years ago. And um, from what I can remember, it was it was this one CEO. And she went on maternity leave, and the guy running it was the highest cadet, like this 20, 21 year old guy who hadn't officially joined the Air Force, or maybe, I don't know, he would have been maybe a bit younger, whatever. He hadn't transitioned from the Air Cadets to the Air Force. He was not officially an officer in the Air Force yet. 
So there was no one to sign us in to the cadets. So I had to drill for six weeks. Yeah, that'd suck. We just we were just out, I think it was once or twice a week, maybe just once a week, and for six weeks we just turned up and practiced drill. There was like six of us in total that just did drill, and we were just like in our civvies. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fucking so funny to talk about this now. But like, we were just in normal clothes while everyone else was in their cadet gear. And after six weeks, I was just like, I'm fucking marching in my sleep. I don't care anymore. I'm going. And I never went yeah. back. And two yeah, of if us you, never... if, you, that's, if, if that was your experience, I don't blame you. Yeah. Two of us... We two... were... Well, I thought, my, I thought I had a bit of a weak experience uh, in Air Cadets because we only got to do things very, very rarely. You know, we turned up twice a week and it was a, a lot of drill, but a lot of it was learning about the air force mm-hmm. sort of like a, a two-hour class if you will twice a week on just learning about the air force we did a little bit about learning about planes a little bit about learning about rifles mm-hmm. and then every maybe once every couple of months or once a month we got to go shooting on the range so we had a range that was attached to it and that was just shooting like two two rifles which was always yeah. great fun and if you got your marksman badge, when you could shoot five bullets from 25 yards into the space of a two-pence piece. What? So shooting a 2-2 two, two bullet into the size of a two-pence from 25 yards. I, I understand the everything yeah. you just said there, but it still makes no sense. But then And then we got to go flying, but there was detachments in our area. There was other units, and they would do this stuff. They would go like flying like every week. We only went flying like once a year. Those bastards. It was. It always felt like whenever we had like camp weeks, so camp was probably the best time you'd have of it, which is just going away for like a week, living on an air force base. Um, that was great fun. Yeah, we, we're talking about air cadets, and we should be talking about POD. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. Just as we're both talking about this, we've both we both sort of had that similar experience when we were younger. Um, how long were you in the air cadets for? Probably about three years. Wow. And I did six weeks. But um, yeah, I'm just thinking now, I'm just like, oh my God, it's totally a recruitment for the fuck. We're recruiting kids into the fucking services. Like, I think right now I'm totally against the concept of the cadets or, or, or ever. Hey, if you've been part of the cadets and it's been good for you, then fucking A, but man, I'm, I'm in a place right now and we need to get back onto POD. <laughs> it gave me a lot of confidence and Great. it gave me, gave me the chance to meet new people and new experiences so i think i can still i think i can still do drill so we all learned something (laughs) good good right anyway on an about face uh so 2021 (laughs) i'm listening to this album about face we've we've kind of touched on it this album still contains some bangers this has got some really really strong musical songs in it The, the singles aside i still think there's a couple on this album that are really good uh masterpiece conspiracy anyone who listens to bands like knocked loose jesus peace uh anything really fucking heavy the last that the outro to masterpiece conspiracy is just this really brutal breakdown which i wouldn't experience again until maybe five or six years later when when my music tastes moved into much heavier territories Mm -hmm. So it was interesting to to spot that. Gonna be honest, 
there's some filler on this album there is more filler than a persimmon home on this hey <laughs> still your joke <laughs> still your joke <laughs> i changed i changed the developer <laughs> the the filler is is uh a bit dominant i think you put it really well uh so i'm giving you credit for this joke before i say it this would make a fantastic ep this would be a great ep um because I think pretty much everything after, for me personally, I don't particularly agree with masterpiece, masterpiece, good lord, masterpiece conspiracy. I don't know if it's just albums from the two thousand, from from two thousand two thousand one, or or just the shit that we listen to, but pretty sure every album we've listened to, maybe bar Lincoln Park, has had a song about backstabbers or you know being betrayed or you know like confronting your confronting someone who has wronged you in some way and masterpiece conspiracy does that for me and by the end by the end of it i was just kind of laughing because he's the guy's just like repeating backstabbers or whatever and i'm just like oh fucking dun, 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 backstab yeah no that's brilliant i love yeah. it i'm all about it i'm glad you i'm glad you like it but everything up until about track 10 i, I think is great although do you know what's funny on the album they've got um for track 10 oh let me just so i don't get it wrong it's track 10 featuring christian of blindside right they had to put what band he was in i didn't know it was banned so i just googled christian of blindside because i thought that was like i thought that was the band i thought like because we've just talked about how they're a religious affiliated band and they're a christian new metal band and whatever i thought christian of blindside like was like this establishment this thing so when i googled it and found out it's a swedish band with a singer called christian i was like fucking <laughs> hell Keith. what a dickhead but um yeah like get all masterpiece conspiracy without jaw i'm not i'm not massive fans of so for me really everything after 10 minus some of the filler in the middle like this this takes a dip and as such that means this album would be a great ep yeah, and I and I I respect obviously the the um the influences that are involved in this, but there are two songs which are reggae songs, and or they they delve into reggae, which it just f- doesn't fit. I would expect that to be on a different album or a different artist, but you've got um, ridiculous featuring featuring Ika Mouse and. Without Jar Nothing featuring HR. Now, Without Jar Nothing starts off... Now, bear in mind, it's just at the after Masterpiece Conspiracy. You've just had that really heavy breakdown. Mm-hmm. And Without Jar Nothing kicks in, and it's a fast-paced punk rock going for it, hell for leather, and then it turns into a reggae song. Then it chills And I'm out. like, it totally chills out. And like, where did the... Oh, man, they had, they had this brilliant pacing going and like like we've mentioned the, the sort of the album peters off in the middle of around after this after the track satellite believe it or not uh you've got a and you've got your guitar is the amor and guitar anything right the amor. <laughs> and then anything right and ghetto which are probably two of the weaker songs on the album and i was like oh masterpiece conspiracy brings it back and then without john nothing like, oh here we go and i was like where on earth is this going it just it really rocked the boat at the end, unfortunately, and I, I, I couldn't agree more uh, to your sentiment of this would make a brilliant EP, or even, I mean, it's an hour long. It's it's a 50, 52 50. minute album. 
yeah. Yeah, you could trim four tracks off this, and it would still be a respectable length. You didn't need Celestial, and you didn't need Guitaras Diamor. I appreciate Guitaras Diamor, but I don't think... Just for you, the name alone. Yeah, I don't think you needed it. But, I mean, there's there's obviously some some Latin vibes in here, and they're expressing themselves with, with Guitaras Diamor. And with the, I'm gonna have to do it every time now with the yep. with the with the Latin guitar and stuff like that, and and, and that's cool. But um, yeah, you take set it off alive, boom, youth of a nation, satellite, and the messenger. Stick masterpiece conspiracy on there. Go on, let's. No, let's you would, I wouldn't, and you've got a, you've got a, you've got a banging EP. I don't have anything against um, anything. All right, anything's all right. Anything all right is is fine. Of, with with Christian of Blindside, with with the the Christian of Blindside, I don't understand why they can't just put his full name. Just put whatever. I don't know what his surname is, but surely you've you've when when whenever you say it's featuring an artist, you just give them that name. You don't yeah. say what band they're in as well. His full name is Christian Lindsgog. Maybe that's why they didn't put it on. L i n d s k o g Lindsgog. Yeah, I can see them not doing that, but I think Blindside are a very popular christian band if um, i'm not mistaken is a swedish post-hardcore band from southern suburbs of stockholm sweden formed in stockholm in 1994 on as under free oh christ thank fuck they changed the name uh they changed the name to blindside blah blah, blah. swedish company came out 2000 surely be mentioned by now the group received greater attention in 2001 when they toured with pod resulting in a contact with Electra, who the fuck are Electra? Presumably, oh Electra Records in two thousand two. Blah blah blah. Oh, they toured with Hippostank. Okay, uh, we could do maybe do Crawling in the Dark as a single, because that was a jam. Yeah, so they clearly had some decent enough chops to get involved with POD later on after touring with them. So that's really cool. Um, but yeah, why don't they just use his name? Anyone knows the answer to that, please do um, send us a tweet because it'd be really interesting to know why they justified it in Christian of Blindside rather than Christ- just Christian. Christian Linskog, if you're out there with us, um, hit us up at OGB Podcast on the tweets or Instagrams. So yeah, final thoughts. Final thoughts on this album. Um, it still holds up in 2021. I would listen to it again which is more than can be said for other albums we have perhaps touched on. Mm-hmm. It really was important to myself personally, but of course everyone's experience with an album is going to be different. Uh, if there was one thing you were going to take away from today's episode, go and listen to Youth of the Nation, put yourself in a nice quiet room, listen to that, listen to the lyrics, listen to what it's telling you. And if you think it's not right that we're still battling these same battles, what can be done about it? If you have the power to do something about it, try and do something about it. Wow, powerful. How am I supposed to follow that? Yeah, I don't know. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, ve- yeah. Like Youth, Youth of an Asian is a very somber song. Um, live saying go go sit in a room and listen to it. You might want to do that with friends um, because it's. Uh, it's, it's yeah it's it's, it's incredibly powerful and it and, and it still stands as a great song the, the album itself i've got to be honest i have don't think i've ever listened to this album end start to finish and when i put it on earlier holy crap i thought it was like 
someone had taken two pieces of white bread and just put some mayonnaise between them and that was your sandwich i was like this is the blandest stuff i have ever heard sometimes though all he needs a mayonnaise sandwich (laughs) (laughs) you just you just don't want it you don't want to surprise yourself you don't want to you don't want to overdo it you just just, want something completely (laughs) bland and flavorless just to get you through the next 53 minutes you just want to eat beige for 53 minutes that's all you want to do you might as well just suck on a banana not all the time not all the time but sometimes you might want to well i didn't want to to begin with but it grew on me it absolutely grew on me um set it off as kind of a bit of a generic start i have my issues with alive because i think after what we've talked about it is maybe a song about his mother but for me it still carries heavy religious connotations and i kind of can't get into it for that but then boom youth of the nation satellite satellite might have some religious connotations as well but not from heavy not as heavy for me as what um alive does and then yeah that the album goes on its way out and of course it gave us the gift of guitarist diamor but um yeah that I'm, I'm gonna get that i'm gonna make sure that you get that tattooed on you <laughs> guitarist diamor pohom oh, i didn't do it <laughs> get- Guitarist demo pohom. What does pohom mean? For men. Guitarist demo pohom. I'm sorry. Toilet. I'm sorry for butchering the Spanish language, but um, y- yeah, you we, we were texting earlier midweek talking about it. Obviously, you were like, it's a solid seven out of ten. I think that's generous. It is a great five out of ten, maybe maybe a punching six out of ten for me personally and again i have no sort of you know similar to white pony like i have no connotations with it like it doesn't it, i have no affiliations it doesn't go back to me for anything obviously alive and stuff like that sort of does but yeah i kind of i don't want to get into it too much but like i didn't i sort of struggle with the concept of, of a religious band because yeah. i struggle with the concept of religion this isn't a soapbox i'm not going to go mental on it but like it's just not for me so okay in saying that i I don't i don't exclude religious bands like i think the devil wears prada are a religious band who by the way have new tracks released at the moment i heard a recent track but i've not heard the brand new one that came out like maybe friday very good i will say it's very good it's very it's you like dead throne yeah it's very dead throne I I know a lot of people don't like Dead Throne, but I will probably talk about it in a long time to come, hopefully. And Dead Throne was where I found Devil Wears Prada, and I worked backwards and then went forwards. So you know, I I, and again, Tim Tim Labasi is on Dead Throne as well, mentioned earlier. But uh, I'd love to do an episode. Pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised by Satellite. Hundred percent. It 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 got better. It. it ended on a high note for me, but I'm probably not going to go back to it. It's uh, it's something I'm glad I've revisited. You've made me revisit it, but eh, still, still a bit of a mayonnaise sandwich for me. A mayonnaise sandwich. That's 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 the final rating from from yourself. So, I don't think there's much more we can add about uh, satellite. What are we going to talk about next time, Keith? 
I'm going to take us off the new metal bandwagon. Is that okay? No. That's yes. We've carved a niche for ourselves. Where are we going? Well, I hope uh, I hope people don't drop off. But um, if, uh, if, if we had met... Where are we? If we had met 10 years ago, or maybe 18 years ago, and you'd asked me, what, 18 years ago? How did I go from 10 to 18? That's fucked. If we had met 13 years ago, there we go, there's the math. If you'd, and, and asked me, what, what were my, what, what's your favourite bands? What's your top three favourite bands? I'd be like, Rage Against the Machine. I'd be Incubus. And I would say Muse. Are we going to listen to a Muse album together? We are going to go... I hope you like your symmetry, because we're going to Origin of Symmetry, baby. Ooh, there's one I've not heard for a long, long time. Get your plug-in babies out. Get your fucking newborns. Get your... um whatever else came off of that uh, album that, that's that's the two i know <laughs> and I'll, I'll set you a challenge now actually this, this could be a bit of fun i'll set you a challenge now uh when we record next time i want you to tell me which song he plays the seven string on because matt bellamy okay, okay. matt bellamy plays a seven string i nearly said the title of the song matt bellamy plays a seven string on origin of symmetry and it is probably my favorite song on the album fantastic i am quite excited to hear it then but you, e- you didn't expect it to be a seven well as long as i can give it more than seven out of ten and it's more <laughs> than a mayonnaise sandwich then i'm sure we absolutely banging hey man even if you do think it's a mayonnaise sandwich you're wrong but that's that's fair enough sometimes you need a mayonnaise sandwich apparently <laughs> sometimes sometimes you do sometimes you do anyway all right take us home man take us home i'll take it over thanks everyone for listening this has been alive or just blethering please head over to our instagram and twitter at aogb podcast for all our latest updates next time on alive or just blethering keith is going to be taking us through the origin of symmetry by muse or guitarist diamor by puke <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone. Good night. Good night.